Well, guys, tonight we're continuing our worldview series as we've kind of walked through this big picture. We're coming back through and hitting some more specific things. Tonight we're talking about being godly men and women and how foundational it is that God created us male and female, which maybe 10, 20 years ago wasn't even a controversial statement, but it is today. And so tonight I want to help you guys just think biblically and develop a biblical conviction about what God says about who you are as a man or a woman. In 2019, a mom stood on the steps of the Supreme Court and told the heartbreaking story of her transgender daughter. She shared about the new standards of care that were used by her pediatrician to teach her daughter how to inject herself with testosterone without her parents' consent or knowledge. This mom said this, Like any parent, I felt betrayed. It is hard to believe that my once beautiful, healthy child, now 19 years old, is in and out of homelessness, bearded, amputated, her reproductive organs removed, all this just to be her authentic self. Doctors did this while she was still a minor without my consent or involvement. Like any parent, I am angry and full of rage that this is the only kind of help offered to my child and that parental rights are being stripped away. But most of all, my heart is shattered and I grieve for my child and for the life she now faces like any parent would. Her daughter experienced what's been labeled as gender dysphoria. You've probably heard a lot about this. It's a term used to describe someone who has the feeling of severe discomfort in their biological gender. Historically, we know over the last hundred years, it has been an exceedingly rare disorder affecting about 0.01% of teens or children. Over the last decade, schools have reported that 15 to 20% or even one female school said 30% of their students were experiencing gender dysphoria. And it made me ask the question, why over 10 years this astronomical increase? One author described it as a social contagion. She said it is spread by ideas, emotions, and peer influence. It made me think of inception. You know, just one idea planted in your mind that I'm not who I'm supposed to be. I'm in the wrong body. This is not who I truly am. And I read this and I read about this, this girl and her mom speaking about this and it made me realize ideas matter. Worldview matters. What you believe matters. And just this one story of this mom and her daughter, there's multiple implications of worldview in that story. And I want to teach you how to hear someone talk about that and what happened to their daughter. And maybe you encounter friends, you encounter classmates who are going through this, who are struggling with this. And I, and I want you to hear worldview as you hear them talk. We see in this story a view of parents and their role in a child's life that was removed. 
We see a view of psychology like we talked about last month and what's wrong inside of us. The study of the soul and the study of what's going on inside of us. Scripture speaks to that. A worldview of the cure. What is the solution for this girl who is experiencing this? And the Bible addresses that and talks about Christ and forgiveness of sin, repentance and faith and coming under the authority and submitting ourselves to God who is a good creator. And there is a view of gender and what makes us who we are as individuals. These are all worldview issues we've been talking about and we're seeing them live down in front of us all across our culture. And I want you to hear stories like that and begin thinking biblically from a biblical worldview. And these ideas are starting earlier and earlier and earlier, trying to tell you, you decide who you are. You decide what you want to be. You get to decide who you are. And God and your parents and biology, nothing else can tell you that. You have to base that based on your feelings. I mean, it's gotten to the point now where we recently bought a box, a box of crayons. And when we opened it up, this is what was inside the box. This is Crayola crayons. It says, have you met Tip? Maybe you've noticed this funny crayon character popping up on Crayola products. So just who is this guy anyway? Well, Tip, as we like to call him, is more of a spirit than a person. In fact, he so loved the creative energy in kids that he decided to take the form of a Crayola crayon way back in 1903. Hey, that's just when the first Crayola crayon was rolling off the line. Coincidence? I think not. Tip is totally magical. He can change colors or appear as many different colored tips at the same time. One thing is for sure, wherever you meet him, he has a color adventure is soon to follow. And you may think, that's innocent, that doesn't mean anything, but we read that, and I just thought, man, there's multiple implications in there teaching about we get to decide, and we can change, and we can be whoever we want, and there's this creative energy, and you're more of a spirit than you are a person. And I know it's silly, but these things are really infiltrating cartoons, and what we watch on TV and media, and all of these things have a worldview behind who's right writing them. A biblical worldview must include our view of men and women. It's foundational to the Bible. It's foundational to how we live, how we honor God. Every single day, how we honor God and how we're called to live as believers in Christ is affected by if we are male or female. And my heart for the youth is that you would see the good in how God made you. I think celebrating it, rejoicing in God's good creation. This is what Psalm 139 verses 13 through 14 say. It says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That's a powerful testimony today. If you can walk around and say, God knitted me together, I praise him for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Worldview begins with where we began at the beginning of the year with God as our good creator. He created us male and female and it was a good design and it had intention behind it. It had purpose. God wasn't just flippantly making these decisions. He had a goal in creating us male and female. So open your Bibles up to Genesis chapter 1. This is where we started back in February. And like I said, 
We're just kind of doing laps around a track. We did the big picture worldview, and now we're coming back around the track, and we're going to apply our understanding of this worldview to specific topics. So we're taking this idea that God is our creator. God is the creator. We don't believe in naturalism. We don't believe in materialism. We don't believe in new spirituality, that that God is a force out there. We believe in a creator God who is a person, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three in one. And on the first page of the Bible, on my my Bible, it's page one, he tells us, how and why he created us. And the first thing we're going to see tonight, just two points. Point number one is this is God's idea, male and female, and both are created equally in his image. First thing we learn about ourselves in the Bible is God created us and he created us specifically male and female. Look at verse 26. Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them, so man is referring to mankind, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created created them. And so we learn on the first page of the Bible that there are certain aspects of God's character uniquely that are revealed uniquely in men and uniquely in women. That both are needed to reflect the character of God. And from Genesis 1:26 we learn that this reflects something of the triune nature of God. It says, let us make man in our image. And we learn as we go throughout the scriptures that God is not schizophrenic. You know, he's not not speaking of different people, but God is three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All equally being God, and yet they have different roles. Three persons in one God. Yet they have different roles. And so when the triune God, when Father, Son, and Spirit decided to create image bearers on earth and decided to make mankind, it makes sense that God, Father, Son, and Spirit would make mankind male and female. Two different genders that are equally valuable to God and yet distinct and different in how God made them. This is what Wayne Grudem says. This is in his systematic theology. He says this means... That we should see aspects of God's character reflected in each other's lives. If we lived in a society consisting of only Christian men or a society consisting of only Christian women, we would not gain as full a picture of the character of God as when we see both godly men and godly women in their complementary differences together reflecting the beauty of God's character. That's what makes me so grieving when I see somebody who feels like they don't belong in their body, like like God is messed up or they're in the wrong place because I think there's something we're losing when we try to transition and change people from how God has created them. We're losing something of the character of God they were reflecting as male or female. We, We would miss that if we didn't have both genders. As we turn to the New Testament, we see 
just the equality. We see this in Genesis 1, that, that men and women are created equal in the image of God. There's this value and dignity and worth in being a man. There's this dignity, value, and worth in being a woman. As we turn to the New Testament, we see that, that Christ died for both men and women, for everybody. His, his blood covers them. Galatians 3.28, it's like emphasized. Paul emphasizes this fact when he says, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. He's not saying that we become genderless all of a sudden when we become Christians. He's saying that in Christ, we're all redeemed and forgiven and saved. He forgives us. He cleanses us. He makes us new creation in Jesus Christ, both men and women. And it's important as we talk about gender, as we talk about God's creation, we're going to talk about the differences in a second that he made us different. But we have to always start by emphasizing the dignity and the value and the worth because I think that message is missing out there. That when God creates us as men or God creates us as women, there is dignity in God's assignment and deciding what we are going to be. And we come under the authority of God. As we talked about, we don't get to decide for ourselves. We come under the authority of God and we say, Lord, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So we see this value in God creating mankind as male and female. It's valuable. It's important to the scriptures that we start there. Number two though, so that was number one. It says God's idea, both are equally valuable to God. And number two is that there are differences in men and women. God created us equal in value, but he made us different intentionally. And he gives us different roles. God says what it means to be a godly man and God gets to decide what it means to be a godly woman. So in some key ways, men and women are the same in being image bearers of God, but we weren't created exactly the same. He made male and female, he made them different on purpose. Everything we discover in the world I just love this fact. Ever since I became a Christian in college, I love thinking about this. Everything we discover in the world, everything we see, everything we study is ultimately going to show that this is true. The more I read and the more I hear doctors and biologists and, uh, you know, astrophysicists and all these people talk, the more I see, man, God created this and his word will always prove true and we see that even now as doctors are coming out saying even in how God created us as male and female he even inside of us created us differently intentionally to reflect something of his nature I was reading this one doctor Dr. Leonard Sachs he's one of many doctors that has blown the whistle on the view that gender is fluid, that we can change our gender and we can just kind of go in and out of different genders. So he said, you know, that is not true. And, you know, he has said, it's just a lie that there are no differences between men and women. He says, boys and girls are indeed different and ignoring the difference is a big mistake. This guy is not a Christian. But he's just saying this is a big mistake to ignore this difference. Among other things, he presents evidence that male and female brain tissue is intrinsically different. They're even wired differently is what he says. He's, he wrote this, imagine the two sides of the brain, brain being two banks of a river. I love this illustration. Women 
build bridges between the two banks and move easily back and forth. So he's saying even how brains are wired, he sees a difference in a male brain and a female brain. There's a difference. And he says a female brain, we have these two sides, and female brains have all these bridges going back and forth. So they can switch quickly from task to social to getting things done to being social to understanding, perceiving what's, what's going on with this person while getting this done. And I was like, that makes total sense. He says, on the other hand, men race up and down one side of the river. Crossing only to race up and down the other side of the brain. So they're like, dun, 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 dun. okay, now I'm going to focus on this. Okay, person, person, person. Okay, get this done, get this done. And I thought that explains everything about me because I cannot do those things at the same time. But I also thought that's amazing that we've gotten to the point in science where we can study anatomy and how our brains are wired and it lines up to me with Genesis and how God created us. I mean, it makes total sense with the role God gave Adam and Eve in the garden. The, the, the call for Adam to work and keep the garden. And the call for Eve to be his helpmate in his mission to do that. And it, uh, Kevin DeYoung at the last Foundry, we read an article um, by Kevin DeYoung. It was from his book, Men and Women in the Church. But he writes about that, how we need both. We need male and female and these differences complement each other and they reflect something of the character of God, these differences. Our culture defines differences as meaning inequality. So you have to understand that as soon as you say there are differences between men and women, what they're hearing is there's inequality. You're saying that men are better than women. No, I'm not saying one's better than the other. I'm saying they're different, which is just a fact, but that's being denied today. But our culture defines differences as inequality. If there's differences, then there has to be inequality. It also teaches that equality means sameness. So whatever guys can do, girls should be able to do. Whatever girls can do, guys should be able to do. That's kind of their, their vision of equality, which goes against what the Bible teaches that were made male and female, we are different. I even, someone sent me this video recently. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, I, I saw a video of a guy where they have created this contraption that they strap to guys now, which is meant to replicate the pain of a pregnant woman having contractions. Have you guys seen this? They strapped it on this huge dude. I mean, he was a man's man. He was strong. And they put this thing on his belly and he was like, you know, pretty confident and like, let's do this. They had it on the lowest setting and gave him contractions. I thought the guy was going to pass out. I mean, he could not handle it. He was crying for them to stop. Just crying, stop. He was crying out in pain. And I thought, man, men and women are different. And if for some reason you think men could do that, we cannot. Okay, we admit it. Like, thankful I don't ever have to go through that but I was just dying laughing watching that guy I thought man men and women are different God created us that way there are differences and there's differences in our roles there's differences in in what God calls us to do it doesn't make one superior to the other they're designed by God to complement one another so, so the diversity in the way God created us, they're meant to complement each other and together reflect the glory and the nature of God. And God's word lays out what that means. So it teaches us as we go through the scriptures what it means to be a man, why God 
created us as men. And it walks through what it means to be a godly woman and why God created women. I wasn't going to say created us as women because that would sound weird, right? But why God created women. And that's not popular today, but it's so needed in our culture for you to to grasp the simple fact and to embrace it. And I think this may sound like a very simple message, but the reason I want to emphasize this is because you are going to need courage and conviction to stand on God's word and celebrate it. I feel like what's happening today is people are kind of taking this and hiding it and kind of ashamed that this is what God did. I read Psalm 139 and I think, Man, we should be praising God. We should be celebrating the differences. We should be rejoicing in how God made us. We should be happy and be boasting and saying, you know, I'm enjoying this. I love that God made me this way. He's a wise and good creator. But you're going to need courage and conviction. You're going to have to stand your ground. You're going to have to stand up for what's right and celebrate that God is our creator. It reminded me of this little house in Seattle. I think we have a picture of this house. I read about this house. I think I've shared with, this, with you guys before. It's been a little while. But this is the home of Edith Macefield. Nothing impressive, nothing really to brag about this little house, but it was hers. As time wore on, culture, uh, the city was growing around her. They kept moving bigger around her. And she just kept just living in her house, standing her ground. She just wanted to live within her boundaries, enjoy her home as long as she would like, and as long as she would like. And they kept moving around her. People kept trying to buy her home. She wouldn't do it. She wouldn't do it. She lived till she was 86 years old in this little house, victoriously standing against the culture coming in around her. She would not be shaken. And here is a picture of her home at the time of her death when she was 86 years old. And I just thought, I love this lady. I mean, does that not remind you of Up right there, the movie Up? This lady was not gonna be moved. And I saw that picture and I thought, that is kind of the picture of how I think about you guys. I mean, culture is coming around us and there are these false worldviews and it feels like you're being surrounded and man, it's everywhere. It's just infiltrating and it's just politically correct and this is what's acceptable and we're just coming to God's word and saying, Lord, I want to stand on your word and, and I believe you're good and this is such a good thing and I feel like on all sides I'm being surrounded. And I just want you to remember that little house because that's what it's going to feel like at times when you stand on God's word that he created us male and female, and this is a good thing. And God tells us in his word what that means, how to live this out. And I've only got a few minutes left, so I don't have a lot of time to walk into all the details, but I did want to briefly just show you a little bit of what God calls you to be as a man or as a woman. So for guys... For men, I don't know if you can see this. I can make a copy of this. Maybe I'll send this out. This is a chart I found, which just walks through all these scriptures of qualities of the perfect man. So the perfect man being Jesus Christ, but just looking to Christ and saying, you know, what was Christ like? And what is God's word? What do all these scriptures say? The kind of men that we should be in our culture, the kind of men we should be that honor God and live for God and and embrace being a man for God's glory. And there's attitudes and actions and then scripture references, you know, having an eternal mindset, doing the will and the work of God, being filled with the Spirit, giving the gospel to others, you know, being a man who's loving 
and understanding, seeking out the, to meet the needs of others, sacrificing yourself and your own desires to serve others, being gentle whenever possible, having zeal and courage and confidence because of God and his promises. Talks about Jesus showing initiative when he should have, confronting when necessary, uh, decisive according to God's revealed will. So when we see this is what God says, being decisive and, and being courageous and standing on the word of God, being conscientious, fulfilling responsibilities, you know, standing up, being a man who takes responsibility for things. This is a huge one today. For many men, responsibility is what they're seeking to avoid. I just, I read recently about psychologists in London who've changed the age of childhood. So the age of childhood was 0 to 18, which is kind of arbitrary by itself. But they changed it from 0 to 25. And now, this was several years ago, now they're trying to make it 30 years old. They're trying to say childhood doesn't truly end until you're 30 years old. You know why they're doing that? By the way, because they're responding to culture. They're not, they don't have any authority. Psychologists don't have authority to say when childhood is. They're studying men and they're saying, here's a 27-year-old man who is just serving himself, living for himself. He's not taking responsibility. And they're saying he's still a child. So childhood must be until you're 30 because here's a 27-year-old and he's still a child. So, you know, he hasn't, he hasn't figured it out yet. So childhood must la last longer. I'm not going to let that 27-year-old decide when childhood ends. You know, we go to God's word and we take responsibility as men. If we see something needs to be done, we do it. You know, if you see trash, you pick it up, you, you serve others, you take responsibility. We don't avoid responsibility. And I love the last one on this chart, humility. Just looking to Christ and, you know, laying down his life, humbling himself, even to the point of death on, de death on a cross. He humbled himself. Men are meant to be humble leaders and servants who sacrifice themselves and give of themselves for the good of others. To be a godly man means you, you go around, you go to school, you go to work, you go to sports, you know, you come to relay and you go to serve. You go to lay down your life. It's not about what you prefer. It's not about what you want. Being a man means laying down those preferences for the good of others to serve them like Jesus did. A mature man doesn't demand to be served, but he leads in serving for the good of others. For women, they have to look to God's word to say, what does it mean to be a godly woman? And what we're trying to do is just trying to embrace, God made me this way. He made me as a man. And so I want to understand, God, what do you say I should be for your glory? So if you're a woman, you want to go to God's word and go to God and say, you created me as a woman. How do I glorify you and serve you and honor you uniquely as a woman to bring glory to your name? Elizabeth Elliot helps women understand the gift of femininity. I love, this is what Elizabeth Elliot says. She says, you and I, speaking to women, if we are women, have the gift of femininity. I love this. I would remind you that femininity is not a curse. Okay, it's not a curse. It's not even a triviality. It is a gift, a divine gift to be accepted with both hands and to thank God for. Because remember, it was his idea. It's amazing 
the statistics of how many teenage girls now, according to these stats, are going through gender dysphoria. It was for almost 100 years, it was almost uniquely uh, prepubescent boys that were experiencing it. And now it is through the roof teenage girls who are struggling with this. And, and I love Elizabeth Elliot because she says, you know, I want to embrace femininity as a gift. Being a woman for the glory of God is a great thing. And when I read that quote, I just thought that's worldview right there. She's seeing God is the creator. He created us male and female. We want to embrace and learn why. What are his intentions behind creating me this way? She is a, a godly woman who's embracing God's call on her life. And she writes about going to Proverbs 31. And it you know, just portrays this great literary sketch of a godly woman who is virtuous, trustworthy, unselfish, honorable, prepared, prudent, God-fearing, all these attributes of a godly woman. I read this study done called The, the Body Project by Joan Broomberg. And she did this study of girls' diaries. I don't know how she got a hold of them, don't ask, but she studied girls' diaries and she wrote about one diary in eight, from 1890. It was a young girl scribbled her New Year's resolutions and here's what she wrote. This is in 1890. Resolved to think before speaking, to work seriously, to be self-restrained in conversation and actions, not to let my thoughts wander, to be dignified, interest myself more in others. Brumberg writes that this was typical of girls' diaries at that time. And she also studied diaries from 100 years later from girls. In 1990, a typical entry went like this. I will try to make myself better in any way I possibly can. I will lose weight, get new lenses, Already got a new haircut, get new good makeup, new clothes and accessories. Could the difference be clear? One focused on improving her character and loving others and serving others. You know, this virtuous, dignified strength of this inner character that serves and loves others. And this other one focused on improving her looks. That's not... It's not what biblical femininity is, okay? Femininity is not just how we look, but it's this character, it's this heart transformation. It's going to God's word and saying, here's what a virtuous, godly woman looks like. And so I, for the girls, I wish I had a chart like that for you, but two things I want to encourage you in to grow in this. Number one is I would say learn from your mom, okay? I am not the person how to teach you how to be biblically feminine, okay? It's not my job, and I'm not good at that. So learn from your mom. Watch your mom. Watch her example. Watch how she serves. Watch how she lays down your life. Look at other godly women in the church and learn from them. That it's, scripture tells us that is one of the main things we learn from is older Christians in our life. We look to their example, and we imitate them, and we learn what it means to be a godly man or a godly woman. So learn from your mom. And I would also encourage you to read Elizabeth Elliot's Let Me Be a Woman. Because one of the things she does in that book is she celebrates being a woman as a good thing. It's not a curse. Femininity is not a curse. It's not inferior. It's not something that's inferior to being a man, you know. It, it, it's, it's a godly thing. He decided that and she just rejoices in that and celebrates that and you would be blessed to read that. 
So we want to embrace, I want to encourage all the teens, embrace this call on your life. If you are a young man, you're growing to become a man, learn what it means to be a godly man. Don't wait and say, oh, when, when, I'm, when I'm 27, then I'll start acting like a man. Start acting like one today. Start serving, start leading, start laying down your life for others. Start taking initiative, start taking responsibility. You know, start taking uh, interest in others and how you can serve them and care for them. If you're a young woman, you are growing to be a godly woman for God's glory. Learn from other women what that looks like and how you can serve and be virtuous and lay down your life and serve others. This is what God has called us to. And someone even asked me beforehand, are you gonna, are you gonna talk about how we interact with trans, transgender people? And uh, even on the way home, we went on a vacation for Labor Day. And just even on the way home, we had several interactions with people. And I, I, I you know, I, I, I don't want to dive into how do we treat others and love them? You guys know how to love people and take an interest in them and care for them. The main thing I want to call you to is embracing God's call on your life and celebrating it and living it out. Because what I think what's going to happen in this generation is there's going to be so much confusion. People are going to be so disoriented and they're going to be confused and saying, where is their joy? Where is their happiness? Where is there somebody who has discovered the, the meaning of why we're here and what we are to live for. Can somebody tell me what is going on? And if you are a person who is a young man or a young woman and you've embraced that call and you celebrate that and you rejoice in that and you see God as your creator and you're happy and you're joyful and you're, and you're delighting in God and how you, he made you, there's gonna be so many opportunities to care for others, to share with them, well, you know, when they ask you, where did you get that joy? Where does that come from? How do you understand who you are so well? You just go to page one. You say, well, it starts right here. You know, God created us male and female. And I just, I think I'm wonder, fearfully and wonderfully made. And I praise God for that. And I enjoy God. And if you live like that and celebrate that, you're going to have so many opportunities. But if you are ashamed, and if you're just quiet and you lack courage and if you lack joy and if you just kind of, you know, mold yourself in and just follow along the culture, really no one's going to see any difference in you. And I, I do think there's an opportunity for you guys to be a city set on a hill with a bright light that can tell people the good news about Jesus Christ about forgiveness of sins, the good news that God is our creator and designer. You can go to people and tell them, I think the way God made you is wonderful, you know? I think we should celebrate that. You don't have to be confused anymore. You just have to go to God and understand how he made you. So we have some discussion questions I want you guys to talk about for a few minutes just to talk about how you can grow in being men and women. So we're gonna do this as families. Uh, if your family's not here, just jump in with a family near you and, and they will help you talk through these. You can grab a member of our A-team, some in the back there, Seth and Nyla. And I saw Matt earlier. He's around here. Matt and Kayla are here too. And Sam's back there. So grab one of them. But here are discussion questions for you to talk about. And we have about 10 minutes for discussion. So Number one, just going back to Genesis 1, why do you think God created two genders, male and female? What does it communicate about the nature of God? Number two, are there any parts of men's or women's roles that you don't understand? 
So maybe I'm not clear on what the differences are. What does it mean to be a godly man or a godly woman? And then finally, teens, I want you to ask your parents this question. What areas do I need to grow in to be a more godly man or woman? And parents, I just want you to be honest. I trust you would be. But just an opportunity to share with teens. Here's an area you can grow as a young man in being more godly and serving others. Or as a young woman, here's an area that you can grow. So we've got about 10 minutes to talk through these questions. And then we're going to return to a song after that.